Welcome to the Get Your Donut Podcast. We're here to exchange our consumeristic Christianity for a life fully surrendered to Christ, and to never let our faith be as simple as grabbing coffee and a donut in the lobby. Let's do this. Well, hello, everyone. You are listening to episode 15 of the Get Your Donut Podcast. My name is Noah, and I am uh, the host of this show, and we're in the middle of a four-part series on sin. So we started out uh, a couple weeks ago talking about why we should care about sin, right? What is sin? Why should we care? Last week, we talked about what do we do uh, when we recognize sin. Today, uh, we're going to jump in and talk about how we should feel about sin. Um, But first, let me me recap uh, the past couple weeks quickly. Uh, And again, this will just be an overview. So if you want more, I'd encourage you to go back and listen uh, to these episodes that have been in this series. Uh, I think it's been a lot of fun. I think it's been uh, a good study. I know for me personally, just reminding me of some of these things. But first, we talked about why we should care uh, about sin, and we define sin as missing the mark, right? Anything in our life that misses the mark of God's holiness, anything uh, that we have going on, whether it be thoughts or actions or words uh, that are incompatible with the holiness of God, we marked that as, as sin. And then we said we should care about that because God cares about our sin, Uh, because God claims us as his own and because God calls us to grow. And so we dove uh, deep into each of those uh, three ideas uh, and and pulled a lot of scripture to to show us and explain to us why we should care uh, about the sin in our life. And then last week, uh, we talked about what we should do about sin, right? Like, so, so now we care about it. What do we do with that, (laughs) with, with the care, with the, 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 uh, the importance that, uh, the importance that we put on sin, right? What do we do with that now? And and we talked about how we should we should confess and repent. Confess being uh, that we are simply just admitting that we fall short uh, to God and to others. God already knows you fall short. Most likely, the people in your life already know that you've fallen short. And so, confession is is simply us just saying, "Look, this is where uh, I missed the mark. I fell short." Uh, and in in a in a culture that understands the gospel, that's just normal and that's natural because we all fall short. And so, to to acknowledge that is is to be obedient to what God's asked us to do, right? And then the second part of that is to repent, uh, which which repent uh, the word literally means to turn away from. And so, we talked about how there's this heart battle uh, that goes on when we're when we're in a struggle with sin uh, to, to turn away from the sin and to turn ourselves back to God uh, and that would be uh, repentance and really it's a heart issue of desiring God more than we desire the things of this world but but also importantly uh, these are two words that can often have like a lot of shame or uh, maybe even legalism or those sorts of things in our minds tied tied to these words. And we wanted to point out the fact that when we confess our sin and when we repent of it, that's where we actually find victory over Satan and victory over uh, the struggle with sin. And so when we can admit out loud, I messed up, here's how I did that, uh, that's not actually shameful. That's actually declaring, right, I know the gospel to be the reality that I'm living in. And so Satan, you know, y- you can take your lies elsewhere because I know that I'm welcome to confess my sin here. And so through confession, through repentance, uh, we find victory over sin, we find victory uh, over Satan. Uh, but what I want to talk about today is how we should feel about our sin, because, um, <clears throat> man, I, I, we're going to use, again, I, 
throughout this whole series, we actually, we've been talking about a lot of words. Uh, I don't know if buzzwords, the right, the right term for them, but just a lot of words that probably, uh, carry weight for each of us, depending on our, our faith background and whatnot. And so today we're going to talk about uh, guilt and shame and conviction and, and some of those things uh, that maybe carry, again, different weights uh, for each of us, depending on our backgrounds, our experience, our walk with the Lord. Um, but but really what I want to get into, again, is the, the idea that sin is important, right? Because because uh, it, it impacts the way that you live and, and we should have a specific response to it. Uh, but more than that, uh, it's very real that that we all are going to feel different ways uh, about sin. We're all going to feel different ways about God. And sometimes I think that we, uh, we, we write our feelings off as if we should never listen to them, as if they're unimportant, as if truth is the only thing that matters. Uh, and, and while it's true that, that we should follow truth over our feelings. Uh, what I want to point out is that God God created you as a human being with emotions, and he gave you emotions on purpose. Uh, and, and those emotions can often tell us uh, things that are going on in our heart that, that simple words or truth uh, might not be able to convey super well. And so uh, how you feel about sin your heart's response, the way it makes your body feel, uh, that reveals something about what we believe about sin. That reveals something about our relationship with the Lord, about our relationship uh, with sin. And uh, so we're going to get into that uh, a little bit today. And here's the two terms we're going to talk about uh, most. That would be guilt and shame, like I said. And here's how I'll define them. So I know that every everybody's coming from a different background. These have been words that have been thrown around, uh, around a lot in the last few years. Uh, here's how I will define the difference between guilt and shame. Okay, so guilt means uh, I did something bad, right? I'm I'm guilty. I did something wrong. Uh, I you know I I stole. I lied. Those sorts of things. Like I am guilty of that. Shame says I am something bad, right? So so guilt says I did something bad. Shame is I am something bad. I so instead of I I told a lie shame shame is right I am a liar you combine those two things I am something bad I did something bad uh, and so we're gonna walk through now uh, and kind of look at how can we biblically look at each of these things uh, and where does that leave us in our relationship with sin and our walk with the Lord so uh, first let's talk about guilt again this is the idea that I did something bad right the reality uh, the reality here is biblically uh, you you are guilty. Right, you you have sinned. You are at fault, and so uh, the Bible doesn't doesn't uh, absolve us or or remove us from the fact that we have sinned, that we have fallen short, that we've missed the mark. Um, but what it does do is that is that it reminds us that uh, Jesus comes in to the picture and cancels our debt, as it says in Colossians, he he wipes our slate clean, he washes us white as snow, and he takes our punishment. So here's the reality uh, about sin is that you, you are guilty, but God, all right, but God took your punishment and has wiped you uh, or cleaned you white as snow, right? So what I want to say about guilt is that we, we ought to feel guilt in the form of, of conviction, right, over what we've done. Uh, but if we are in Christ, we are no longer guilty. And not that we're no longer sinful, because we are. But if, but if we're in Christ, right, we have, uh, we've been forgiven, we've been redeemed, 
right? We've been purchased by his blood. And so when we stand before the Father, if, if our faith is in Christ, uh, we aren't guilty because Christ has taken our punishment, right? Uh, there's a verse in, in Corinthians that, that says, he became sin who knew no sin that we might become his righteousness, right? And so the idea is that Jesus took your sin and, and when the Father uh, comes to judge your sin, he can look upon the punishment that Jesus already received and recognize that because Jesus became sin, we can hold Jesus' righteousness and walk in that. So it's not, it's not the reality that you're not actually guilty of your sin because you are, but it's, it's that when you stand before the Father, when your faith is in Jesus Christ, he's not, he doesn't look upon you as guilty because Jesus already took that punishment. Jesus took your guilt. Jesus took that from you, and now you can stand uh, in front of the Father. So uh, a couple verses that, that support this idea of, of us being guilty uh, and that being how we approach uh, our, our relationship with sin. Uh, the first one, really straightforward, Romans 3.23 says, uh, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Clear cut, right? Everyone is sinful. Everyone's fallen short, right? That is that is the reality. Uh, and, then, and then another verse that I, I would like to get into a little bit more is uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, verses 8 to 13. Uh, Paul's writing and he says, For even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that that letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief, so that you suffered no loss through us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. For see what earnestness this godly grief has produced in you, but what also what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what longing, what zeal, what punishment at every point you have proved yourselves innocent in the matter. So although I wrote to you, it was not for the sake of the one who did the wrong, nor for the sake of the one who suffered the wrong, but in order that your earnestness for us might be revealed to you in the sight of God. Therefore, we are comforted. So uh, there's a lot going on here, uh, a, lot of, a lot of context here. Uh, but, but what Paul is basically saying is, look, I, I wrote to you, uh, I wrote you a letter, uh, and it grieved you. It made you sad. It, it hurt you. And so at first I regretted it, uh, but now I don't regret it because I see that the letter that I wrote to you, it made you sad, it hurt you uh, to the point where you repented from your sin, right? So Corinthians, uh, the the city of Corinth, right, being along a major trade route, like there's a lot of things going on in the city of Corinth that are not honoring to God. And in Paul's first letter, the Corinthians, he addresses these things, right? A lot of sexual immorality, things like that. And so uh, what I'm seeing here is Paul saying, look, I kind of came down harsh on you guys, right? And I regretted it for a little bit until I saw that the letter that I wrote to you uh, caused you to realize you were living in sin and you repented. So uh, when he's saying you you were grieved, uh, I, I imagine that there's sadness, there's a lot of emotions attached to this, but I know that one of those uh, emotions would be guilt. That Paul's saying, look, this you felt guilty when you received this, and I regretted that for a minute because you felt so guilty, because you felt uh, so sad. But now I rejoice, not because you felt really guilty. That's not what makes Paul happy. What, what brings Paul joy in this uh, is the fact that they repented and that they changed. And this, I think, is the idea uh, of guilt, 
This is the point of guilt. It's not that uh, we hold it over our heads and we wallow walking around. I'm so guilty. I'm so worthless. I'm so... It's that our guilt actually convicts us and it moves us forward and it causes us to repent. And so uh, again, repent being to turn away from. It's very difficult to turn away from a sin if you don't actually believe that that sin is wrong. Right, So if you ha- don't actually uh, feel guilty about gossiping, it's going to be very difficult to stop gossiping if you can't convince yourself that it's wrong. But what Paul's saying is, look, I convinced you that it was wrong and you felt guilty. That didn't make me happy, but what made me happy was that you turned away from the sin. Right, So this is, I think, the idea of guilt. I think that we should feel guilty about our sin to the extent that it causes us to repent and turn. That's what, that's what guilt is. Guilt is, uh, honestly, uh, healthy because, because you are guilty, right? And we'll, we'll talk about, again, the difference here is going to be between guilt and shame. But the point is that we feel guilty uh, in the form of conviction over what we've done, right? But we remember that if we're in Christ, we're, we're not guilty anymore when, when the Father looks at us because he sees Christ's, uh, Christ's death and resurrection, right? But our guilt moves us to repent, our guilt moves us to turn away from the sin. It's, it's the Holy Spirit sometimes convicting you, making you feel like this is wrong. And that's a good thing to feel, right? If you're sinning and it feels wrong, uh, that's a good thing to feel. If you're sinning and you don't feel anything about it, uh, that's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. So uh, that's a little bit on guilt. Um, I want to talk about shame for a couple minutes uh, as well, because sh- shame is... Man, shame is is so intricate, uh, and to understand it, and I'm not even going to claim to understand it completely, but but to understand it takes uh, I don't know some finesse, I guess, in in our approach because uh, because there is a lot of hurt, a lot of uh, a lot of spiritual shame that's happened, a lot of manipulation, a lot of these things to where shame has kind of become uh, this buzzword, and, and we have you know multiple groups uh, where we land. Right, we've got some people who say like we should never feel ashamed. And we shouldn't feel shame, and shame is bad. And then we have this other, you know, maybe another group uh, who who might say like, we should be ashamed because because uh, you know we are completely broken and completely fallen, and that's and that is shame, and that's not wrong. And then you've got everything in between. Uh, and so what I want to do is is we'll look at a couple scriptures uh, in a second, but let me uh, let me talk about shame just for a second in my own. Uh, again, I don't claim to have the answers. This is more me sharing where I've landed. Uh, if that helps you, uh, then then that's wonderful. And if and if it doesn't, uh, then ignore. Right, uh, and 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 we can move on. But shame says I I am something bad. So the the idea of shame is that uh, I I am worthless. I am uh, broken. I am helpless. Uh, right, and this is where uh, we we would combine like the sin that we partake in with our identity. Uh, so Ben Ben Bennett, who does a lot of work on uh, sexual brokenness and addiction and recovery, he he has the saying where he says, "Separate the who from the do," uh, and all all he means is separate the person from the thing that they did, right? Like you are not the mistakes that you've made. I think we would all appreciate to be treated that way, right? Like I've made some mistakes where if you if you combined my identity with the things that I did. Uh, I, I wouldn't feel like that was fair. I would say like, that was a mistake. That's not who I am, right? And so uh, separate the who from the do is, is again, the idea that that uh, just because you told a lie doesn't make your identity a liar, right? Or just because you you stole doesn't make your identity a thief, 
right? So, so there's that's the difference there. Um, and, and in Christianity, I think we would say uh, for this kind of shame where we're combining our identity with the mistakes that we've made, uh, I don't think that that holds uh, a place in Christianity, right? I, I look probably most prominently at Romans 8.1, uh, which says, for there is uh, therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? Because when you are in Christ, your identity is Christ, Right? Colossians says Christ is your life. He doesn't, and that's just a part of your life. He actually, he is your life, right? Uh, and so the idea is that once you're in Christ, your identity is completely wrapped up in Jesus. And so because of that, when you're in Christ, right, your identity is not wrapped up in the mistakes that you made or the sins that you've, that you've uh, chosen to participate in. Your identity is wrapped up uh, in Jesus, and he's the one who gives you worth. He's the one uh, who gives you, who gives you value, right? And so, uh, another another idea with shame uh, is that uh, shame is is when we view ourselves as Scripture said we used to be, uh, and, and I think this is interesting. So there's so many passages in Scripture where uh, you know maybe similar to Ephesians two where where it says you know you were dead in your trespasses following you know the things of this world you were under the prince of the powers of the air, uh, and then it, and then it comes in and it says but God. Right, being rich in love uh, and mercy, uh, with the great love He's lavished upon you, and He saves you and He pulls you out of that. So, so a lot of passages in the New Testament that say you were dead, and Christ made you alive. You were dead, and God saved you. You were lost, and and Jesus rescued you. Right, over and over and over again. I think sometimes a, a helpful understanding of shame would say that shame is when you view yourself as Scripture said you used to be. So, if you are in Christ but you are thinking about yourself as scripture said you were before you were in Christ, then that would, that would be you having an inaccurate understanding of who you are, right? That, that's who you were, according to scripture. That's, that's who you were in Jesus. You were lost. You were completely broken and lost and, and, and worthless until Christ loved you. You were uh, broken until Christ restored you, which he's still in the process of doing. You were uh, sinful. You were a liar. You were a thief. You were those things until God saved you, until God loved you. And then once you, you are in Christ, you are no longer those things. Right? A scripture uh, that, that might help us here uh, is 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, in 516 uh, to 21 says, from now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh, right? And so he's coming out of saying, uh, Christ died for everyone uh, so that those who believe in him might, might no longer live for themselves, but they would live for Jesus. And Paul says, and so because of that, we no longer regard anyone according to the flesh. We don't look at you according to your humanity anymore, we regard you uh, according to Christ, which in verse 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. Verse 18, all of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. 
for our sake he he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Guys, look, this is exactly what what Paul is saying is like, if you're in Christ, we no longer look at you according to your humanity because Christ has changed who you are. He's made you a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. And so when you look at yourself according to how scripture said you used to be, an inaccurate view of who you actually are because now you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Right? uh, Galatians says, right, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so when you are in Christ, your very identity changes. Right? That's important. Uh, Another verse uh, that I think uh, supports us would be 1 Corinthians uh, 10.13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Right? God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he'll also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I picked this verse because, again, if shame says I am something bad, sometimes the, the lie of shame is that I'm worse than those around me. Or the lie of shame is that, hey, I'm in a small group right now, and I look around, and I see a bunch of people. They're forgiven. They're redeemed. They're working it out with God. And I'm sitting here, uh, and I'm just this dirty, broken, vile sinner. And that... And that's shame working. That's the devil working, trying to put you in isolation, trying to remove you from the group, trying to convince you that uh, what Jesus says about you is not true. And this verse, I think, is powerful because it says, no temptations overcome you that's not common to man. In other words, like you're not alone in what you've experienced. Everything you're experiencing has been experienced before. Ecclesiastes, right, would say there's nothing new under the sun. So that the struggle, the temptation that you're in, it's, it's not to make light of, of your situation, but it's to say you're not alone. Nothing will overcome you that hasn't been common to mankind. There's nothing new under the sun. You're not in isolation. You're just like everybody else. God is faithful. Don't lean on, on yourself. Lean on the fact that God is faithful, and he won't let you be tempted beyond uh, your ability, and he's going to provide uh, a way of escape for you. Right? This is uh, the idea with shame is that uh, shame says I am something bad and shame was true about you before Jesus. That you were, you did not deserve to be saved. You were broken. You were separated from God. Right? You, 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 you had a lot of things in your life that were incompatible with God's holiness and you couldn't bridge the gap between you and God. You did miss the mark. Whatever that might have looked like for you, that was true about you. But Jesus comes, and for those who are in Jesus, there is no more condemnation because he has given you a new life. He has has removed your sins from you as far as the east is from the west, and he has cleansed you and purified you, and he's restoring you, and he's working on you. And that's what's true about you if you're in Christ. Yes, it's true that you're going to mess up along the way. Yes, it's true that you're not going to be perfect. But it's no longer true uh, about you that, that, that you're uh, worthless or broken or those sorts of things. Like you are sinful, yes, but God loves you. Uh, one, of, one of my favorite uh, podcasts is uh, the Pure Desire podcast. They, again, a lot of uh, sexual brokenness, ministry, addiction, and then just some, some relationship things too. Uh, and Nick Stumbo, one of the hosts uh, on the show, he, he has this uh, quote that he said one time where he says, some things uh, are loved because they're valuable, 
Other things are valuable because they are loved. And he said, we're the second one. We have value because Christ loved us. And he talks about how uh, the reality of shame is changed because of Jesus. Because God loves you, right? You have value. You you are given uh, worth. You are going to be clothed in immortality and righteousness in Jesus. And so this is where we say shame doesn't have a place in my walk uh, with God. Not not because I, I didn't sin. No, because I sin and I know I'm guilty and that guilt moves me to repent. But it doesn't define me. My sin doesn't define me. The mistakes I've made in life don't define me. That's the beauty of the gospel. Jesus defines me. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ defines me. My truest identity is in Christ. My truest identity is that my Father is preparing a place for me to be with Him. Right? And, and that changes everything about how we view ourselves. And so uh, if we're going to answer the question, right, how should we feel about sin? I mean, I think it's fair to say we should be broken over our sin. We should be angered by our sin. We could be frustrated over our sin. But we shouldn't necessarily live in shame, dwelling on our failures and combining that with our identity. I think that doing that does a disservice to the gospel and diminishes the saving power of Jesus. If all you can feel uh, about your sin is that I'm so unworthy and I'm so broken and I'm so lost and I'm just worthless and I'm like a worm, if that's all we can feel about our sin, then we miss the power of the gospel because that's only the first half of the equation. The second half is, but God chose to love me anyways. And so I walk forward in the light and the freedom of Jesus Christ, even though I didn't deserve it. Right, and this is, this is why shame is so hard to break. Because we, we, we get so caught up on uh, our own worthlessness, and in a weird way, Shame, shame is selfishly putting ourselves at the center because it's, it's saying, look, 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 I know that, that Jesus did this whole dying on the cross and raising from the dead thing, but me, like I'm just so unworthy and I'm going to go on and on about me and how bad I am and it's me and it's me and it's me and it's me. And the Bible says it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And so we look at our life and we say, yes, this was true. Yes, this was true. But God saved me. But Christ died for me, but Christ loved me. And so that changes the trajectory of my life forever. And we walk freely in the light of the gospel and the proper response to our sin is yes, to feel a little bit guilty, to feel convicted, to feel sad, because that motivates us to turn from our sin and to turn back to God and to walk in our identity as children of God who have been forgiven and redeemed and bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's how we ought to feel about sin. That sin is wrong, that it that it's doing damage to us. And so now I feel convicted about it and I want to move on. And so I turn from my sin and I turn back to Jesus and I walk towards Jesus, uh, as the hymn says, right? In the light of his glory and grace. Not combining my identity with the mistakes I've made, but finding my identity in the gospel, finding my identity in the fact uh, that, that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And that will change the way that I live forever.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Get Your Donut Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. And if you liked what you heard, rate the show and leave us a review. That helps other people find us and it lets us know how you feel about it. I hope you have an awesome day and that you never settle for anything less than all in with Jesus. Thank you.